I'm standing on the side of the road in Troutdale, Oregon, late at night on a Tuesday in about April, this last April. There's a really tall police officer holding a flashlight in my face. <laughs> With his other hand, he's moving his index finger back and forth across my path of vision, and he tells me to follow it with my eyes, and so I do. And then the officer takes me through the battery of field sobriety tests. I had to do the finger to the nose. I had to do the heel-toe walk of the invisible line, which is not easy to do no matter what state you're in. <laughs> and the whole time I'm watching the cars go by and wondering, what must these people think? Because here's what you need to know about me. I am a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> I have been trying to be perfect for my whole life. Or if not to be perfect, at least to appear perfect. <laughs> I've been on the honor roll since they started passing out letter grades. My classmates accused me of being teacher's pet, and they were right. <laughs> In high school, I was a cheerleader, and I was on the student council, and I was chairperson of the blood drive. And it didn't stop there. In college, I was sorority girl. And after graduation, I was career woman. And I waited until I was 30 years old to get married because I was looking for the perfect man, have myself the perfect marriage. But by the time I'm standing on the side of the road in Troutdale, some of this had begun to unravel a little bit. I had actually been separated from that perfect husband for several months and my divorce was final the month prior. I had moved out of my perfect house and rented it out to help me pay the mortgage. And at the age of 36, I had moved back in with mom and dad <laughs> to help me recover financially from the divorce. So these were my circumstances when I'm standing on the side of the road and I had been to my book club that night. And I had stayed a little longer than I normally do and I had drank a little more than I normally do. And so the next stupid human trick that the officer asked me to perform looked a little like this. Spread your legs and put both hands on the squad car. <laughs> and I watched as he took my hands and handcuffed me and I was arrested for driving under the influence of intoxicants. I still can't believe it to this day. Later on at the station, the officer's doing his paperwork at the computer and I'm sitting in the chair next to the desk, weeping silently and I realize really need to blow my nose and I say to the officer could you let me blow my nose and without a word he grabs a tissue from the box on his desk and reaches out to me and wipes my nose for me <laughs> two-year-old style <laughs> my, my humiliation was complete <laughs> I can only describe as a spiral of shame. I was so ashamed I made myself sick. I was so ashamed I couldn't stop berating myself. 
How could you be so stupid? How could you be so irresponsible? You know better than that. This is not how you conduct your life. This is not how you make decisions. And I played the if only game. If only I hadn't had that last glass of wine. If only I hadn't decided to get in the car. If only I'd taken another road and somehow managed to avoid Officer Tall. <laughs> so I'm still basking in this shame and I come upon a really great idea. If I can just keep this a secret from everybody in the world, <laughs> I might be able to get through it. If nobody knows, I might be able to move on and put this all behind me. So on my way to the courthouse for my court date, I was praying. Please, God, don't let me know anybody at the courthouse. Please, God, don't let anybody know me at the courthouse. Oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, God, please know. Well, I showed up to the courthouse in Troutdale, and there's maybe 18 or 20 people in there, and damned if I didn't know two of them. <laughs> Seriously? First, they called the guy who I graduated from high school with. Oh, JD, hi! <laughs> Haven't seen you in 20 years. Oh, you've got kids. I got a DUI. <laughs> yeah, nice to see you. Hope to see you at the reunion last summer. <laughs> and then the judge called me up, Jennifer Sulane. He says, and I go to the front and I tell him, I want to go through diversion. And we get done with our legal business. And he says, did you wonder how come I was able to pronounce your last name perfectly? <laughs> I said, no, Your Honor, I just assumed maybe you'd had some French somewhere along the line. And he said, you're related to a Jean-Paul? Yeah, that's my uncle, Your Honor. So, awesome, awesome. Two people know me here, awesome. And I realized the universe was not going to cooperate with my plan of keeping this a big secret. And as far as putting it all behind me, joining this diversion program assured that that was not going to happen for quite some time. Diversion's great because it means you don't have to go to jail, and it means that they're going to take the DUI off your record after a year. That's why I chose it, but also it was terrible. <laughs> There's basically, the, the, the structure is the same for everyone who joins diversion. The first part is six weeks of what you might call Alcohol 101, where you're learning about alcohol, and here's what it does to your body, and here's what it does to your brain, and here are the laws around it. That was kind of easy. It was phase two that was going to be like long, slow torture. It was 12 weeks. And during the 12 weeks, I was required to go to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting every single week, even though I'm not an alcoholic. <coughs> and I was required to go to group therapy once a week for 12 weeks. Two hours every Monday with a bunch of people who'd gotten DUIs, many of them alcoholic. <laughs> so we all have to go through the structured program and we each get a treatment plan. And at my intake, they had asked me every question there was to tell them all the history of my drug and alcohol use since the very first sip of alcohol that I'd had. And my answers helped them come up with a treatment plan for me. The idea at group therapy is that everybody's working their own plan, they're doing their assignments, and then they read them out loud to the other members of the group, and the group gets to give you feedback. So one of the assignments on my treatment plan was to write about my blood alcohol content and my feelings 
on the night of my arrest. And when I read that assignment, I just burst right into tears. I didn't even want to think about that stuff, let alone talk about it. And with a group of strangers, I was inconsolable. I couldn't stop crying. My, my reaction felt a little outsized, and with some more reflection, I realized what it was about. These people were going to get to know me at diversion. Mm. They were not going to know that I was a smart person who had been on the honor roll. They were not going to know that I was a successful career person who was responsible and paid my mortgage on time. No. They were going to get to know me through the lens of a DUI, through the lens of what I consider to be the worst thing I'd ever done, the biggest mistake I'd ever made. They were going to think what they were going to think, and there was not one damn thing that I could do about it, and I hated that. It terrified me. So I had to go to group therapy, and I walked in the door, and the, like I said, all these people who've gotten DUIs and all these people who were alcoholics, and I thought to myself, I don't belong here. I'm not one of these people. <laughs> but then the weeks went by, June, July, August, and I started to get to know these people. I heard their stories, and they were my story. My circumstances were their circumstances. And as much as I didn't want to count myself as one of them, that's exactly what I was. We were all the same. We're just people. We're just trying to get through life. And life is messy and hard. And sometimes it's easier to have a drink than to feel sad. And we were all in that same boat. And none of them were perfect. And newsflash, here's a shocker, I'm not perfect either. <laughs> and it was exhausting to keep trying to be perfect. So by the time September rolled around, I had decided to stop trying and instead I was going to try to be real. Here's what I really think about this. Here's how I really feel about that, including feeling anger and resentment about having to be in group therapy in the first place. I've been thinking a lot about why I wanted to share this story with you. It's not exactly my proudest moment. In fact, the shame of it is still really painful to recall. And I think part of it is cautionary tale. You guys, I'm serious. You do not want to have this happen to you. So be careful out there. <laughs> and I think part of it, too, is Catholic confessional in a way. If I confess my sins to you, maybe I'll be absolved. But I think the biggest reason I wanted to share this story with you is because I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it myself. DUI, it, it asked so much of me. I had to sacrifice so much and it took so much from me. But it also gave me something which I really value today. And that is the realization that I'm not perfect and that no matter how hard I try, I'm never gonna be. And so instead, I'm just gonna work on being me. Yeah.